Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NHL season is underway with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-timer or a deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. The sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you. Big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame you know and then you get free the only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with miss mcgill <laughs> And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 159 of the big show of some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump day Wednesday. Middle middle of the week, folks. We're almost there. What can we talk about today? I'm not going to... I have to get back to packing, folks. As you can hear, I got the, I got the boxes set up. Uh, yeah, it is uh, moving around here, so... One more episode for you. I keep saying I'm going to put it off, put it off. We haven't packed the computer yet, so I shall probably be here on Sunday as well. But uh, I hope everybody went back and had a chance to uh, listen to episode 158 uh, with my guest, William Chippeway. William was nice enough to come on, and uh, he is a lifelong Winnipeg Jets fan. And uh, we talked about uh, the the Winnipeg history of, 
of toughness from uh, Jim, well, from Jim Mann to Jim Kite to Gord Donnelly. You you name it, we we talked about it. And uh, who's oh, I got Mud Show Alec texting me. Oh, here we go. Yeah, but uh, no, it was a, it was a great uh, great episode, and I I highly encourage everybody else to uh, to check it out. Um, yeah, guys. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Like I said, uh, I've, I've sort of have a, a few things written down. Um, I don't. I truly don't have a lot of time. Um, I, I hate to uh, to do this to you guys uh, in the lot. Well, with William, we didn't. But the other episodes, I, I kind of rush out of here, and uh, um, I hate to to make the show sort of feel like an afterthought. But uh, yeah, like I said, the the days are pretty much spent. Uh, well, apparently on the phone and, and texting and emailing the, the bank. And uh, uh, Scott, our lawyer, is still wait, is patiently waiting for us. Yeah, our realtor and our bank man are uh, deciding to do it on their own time. So, yeah, uh, real real professional outfit we got going here. That's a little getting a little frustrating, but uh, it'll all get done. But uh, unfortunately, we're also having a pretty good uh, storm here right now as I'm recording. So... Uh, I'm not, it's uh, really strong winds and the snow is flying around, so I'm not much, uh, not sure how long I'll have the, uh, power to all this unit, but, uh, we'll see. Um, a lot of things going on here, but, uh, I want to say I, I, am really on the news there. Um, everything that's going on with BC at the Coca-Cola getting washed out and, uh, saw the town of Merritt, um, basically underwater. And, uh, now I see there's an uh, emergency evacuation of Abbotsford. And, uh, that's scary stuff. And, uh, you know, and especially all the forest, forest fires this summer and BC's really been hit hard this year. And, uh, you know, thinking all you guys out there in BC, I know I have a lot of listeners out there and, and I have friends out there. Um, yeah, um, that's terrible. And, uh, you know, and it's, and it's really, and you see the, um, well, when the highways and everything get, get, get washed out like that. I mean, you see the supply chain just shut off and, uh, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be, it's, uh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible for a while. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, for everybody out there, that's, that, uh, is in the surrounding area there. Uh, my thoughts are with you guys. Uh, that's, that's scary stuff. And, and hopefully, um, you know, mother nature can correct herself here and, uh, and get back to business and and fix what needs to be fixed and then get everything rolling again. But yeah, scary stuff, guys. When you see the the earth is on the earth's on fire. But but let's uh, we'll get on to hockey talk here. Um, well, first I like to say I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. Whatever uh, team, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. And uh, yeah, those guys, of course, with the season in full force, and uh, they're they're always busy. So definitely check them out. Uh, for my off network friends, oh, I, well, the of course Alec, there, Mud Show Alec, uh, listened to his uh, his last show there uh, with uh, current Florida Everblade Nico Blackman. Um, I have it down. I was just started listening to it. Um, they're just basically uh, talking about. Uh, the 10 fight rule in the East Coast Hockey League, which I'm going to talk about here shortly. Um, 
but yeah, they, uh, yeah, I, well, and I'll tell you, listen to that show. I didn't know they made Quaaludes anymore. Uh, uh, you know, it should be five for NyQuil. NyQuil for fighting. I'm in Florida. But he's going to, uh, you know, I thought we were going to hear his head bounce off the microphone there. Holy. I thought he was at a Grateful Dead concert. But, uh, no, he, he does a bang up job. And, and actually, uh, I, I really encourage you to check out his back catalog. Bialois, Yablonski, Segroy, Rob Ray. Does a good job. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's, he's really subdued. He's comfortably numb that episode. But, uh, and then out in New York, the king of New York, Broadway, Jolton Joe Lazito. Give me the Lazito! Is the uh, Coliseum Chronicles, New York Islander, and perhaps future Ranger podcast. I don't know. He's working on an MSG now, really getting into the scene down there. And, uh, yeah. Part two of Steve Jiggs' interview. Uh, tremendous. Uh, of course, uh, real tough, uh, you know, former dub boy. Then on to the uh, American League and the IHL, and uh, big tough defenseman. And uh, I was always a fan of Jiggs. He didn't back down. And, uh, yeah, a lot of fights over the years. And, uh, again, I got episode two recorded. Um, with everything going on, I have my podcasting listening has been limited. But I will definitely, I always check out those guys' shows anyway. But I will definitely catch up with that. But, uh, yeah, Jolton Joe, uh, you know, he's... Uh, He's feeling at home on Broadway, you know. Joe, Joe's always, uh, Joe's always like to perform and stuff. I don't know. He, uh, yeah. If you, if you see him out there on Broadway, you know, if he's leaving Cats or whatever, uh, you know, hey, tell tell him you're a big fan of the show, and uh, you know, you yell "Pop Van sucks" and all that stuff. Joe'll be right with you. But uh, yeah, Jolt and Joe, Coliseum Chronicles again. Another guy, tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Aaron Ashram, Strudwig. Uh, you name it. Yeah, Joe. Joe's had him on. Um, he uh, now that he now that he's back to work, it's uh, you know it's it's really cut into his researching time and his and his podcasting time. But uh, Joe does a tremendous job, and uh, I know I know he's listened to this. The, uh, hey, I am just report. Don't get mad at me. I am simply reporting the news. I, I put on my investigative journalism hat, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this, because like I said, there was Lazito sightings in Broadway. Normally he's roaming around Long Island, right, yelling about Ziggy Palfy, but I heard, like I said, he was yelling about Rayo Rutsalainen and uh, and all them, and uh, he was in the Broadway district. I'm just saying. I am simply the conveyor, the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger, they say. But definitely, check out Coliseum Chronicles. And coming, and coming soon. Well, maybe he's got a lot on his plate now. I don't, I don't want to say there's going to be a blue shirt banter show come up. I don't know. I don't want to say that. But I, I, I feel like there might be a, because Joe's going to run out of guests for the Islander thing. So I think this is all part of the plan, and it's going to be like a real melting pot here, you know. And he's going to, he's going to, you know, stir it up a real booyah base here of New York pugilism. You know, and we could you could talk. You could go back in the Ranger history. All of a sudden, we're going to be going to be talking, trying to get Fatio and Barry Beck on the phone, and yeah, oh yeah, Eddie Hospitar opens up a whole new, uh, whole new uh, guest. Uh, you know, it doesn't just have to be the Islander stuff. So I think when you open it up to the whole New York scene, 
Oh, that covers a lot of ground. And I, I can see what did you see Joe's sly boots like that. He's you know, he's uh under the guise, you know. New York. New York, New York. That Jolton Joe's gonna cover it all soon. But uh in the meantime, give a show a ch- check out his show. Give it a Lizito. But here, what are we gonna talk about today? Well, actually behind me, well, you can't see this. I'm on, I'm on, <laughs> this is audio, so you can't see it, but we're moving around, but we have like a, it's not an exercise bike. I don't know what you would call it. It's like a stair climber kind of deal. The name's escaping me right now. Anyway, I was moving it, but I, I kind of went for a, last, yesterday I went for a cruise on it, really worked up a sweat. I was going to say though, if, if. If I don't mention that I worked out on social media, did I really work out? Yeah. I don't know. There is a topic, before I get into the... Well, today's talk, I'm going to talk about... Um, I, I do have a, a top 10. And seeing as the New York, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers just had an alumni game, I felt it would be fitting. I went and dug up an article. I went and dug it up this time. Top 10 best Philadelphia Flyers fighters. So that'll be interesting because, the you know, the Flyers have had a rich history, of course, with the Broad Street Bullies and, and everything else. So we're going to... I didn't scroll the list. I just clicked on it. And uh, so we're going to we're gonna go... We're going to discover it together. So we'll definitely check that out. Um, obviously, I... And, oh, and I also have uh, Myth versus Reality. Link Gates. I think uh, there's been a lot of talk and mystery about Link Gates. Uh, we'll kind of just talk about that. And uh, some some LNAH signings. Is the enforcer coming back? And uh, yeah, ten fight rule and all that stuff. Well, where do we start? Um, well, it's, well, LNAH signings. Let's just talk this br- briefly. Um, of course, uh, Derek Parker came back with Laval. Uh, played, um, did quite well. F- uh, fought Gabby uh, Rogue Rock and. Uh, he did really well. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, honestly, did better than I thought he was going to. Um, you know, he himself has said, and it's you know, obviously it's there on video in front of everybody in the world. But uh, you know, he he is out of shape and and everything. And um, I don't think he was expecting a big hockey comeback. It just sort of believe uh, the opportunity came up and uh, and and he took it. But uh, no, he did well, really well. And uh, you know, we'll see. I imagine he'll he'll we'll see him around Laval this winter. Um, I, from what I've been told, the Laval ownership has really kind of um, is really sort of pushing for uh, some name recognition. Of course, with the rules and stuff in that league, um, I, I believe you have to be from Quebec to play in that league or be grandfathered in, i.e., Parker, um, if you played in the league before, um, which uh, that rule is moronic, but, uh, and I don't know why you would limit yourself. Why, why, why would you limit yourself? Um, especially in a league like that where it's hard enough to get fighters to begin with, let alone, um, you're going to limit it to, you know, from Quebec or they had to have played in the Quebec league or whatever it is. Um, I don't know why you would have an import rule at all. It's just stupid, but I don't know, whatever. But, um, that league's done a lot of stupid shit over the years. Uh, they just, it's just ego, man. They just can't get out of their own way. It just, you know, and, 
And it just goes back to, I, I mean, everyone's trying to go legit, and they're, you're the LNAH and you're trying to go legit. Not to say that there isn't good, there's always been good players in the LNAH. I mean, I know everyone sees the videos and the goon show, and, and it's all, oh, it's a circus, and it was, it was a circus at times, there's no denying that. But at the end of the day, you still have to score some goals and win some games. And there are some real talented players in that league. There's always, there, like I said, there always has been. Um, but in this reincarnate, like when it gets, t- it's tougher and tougher to find guys that'll fight. I um, mean, and it's and the, again, it's through all through hockey. It's, I mean, clear, obviously, it's never going to be what it was. I mean, you're not going to just Joel Terrios and Bosses and Mayrans and Morastis and everybody out of Brunel and all them out of the woodwork. Um, that's not ever going to happen again. But if you have some guys that will that are willing to do it, um. So, but then you shrink it down, but you go, oh, well, I gotta be from Quebec, though, and like, why would you do that? Like, it's just stupid. You know, and it's, and like I said, they just can't get out of their own way. They've, they've constantly done this over the years. Oh, and then we're gonna go legit, we really wanna cut down on the fighting, and we wanna, we wanna be a feeder league and all this. Like, there's already, like I said, there's, there's 20 burger shops in town, and you're gonna open up another burger shop. Why would you not op- open up a chicken store? Why would you be the same? It's it's Quebec. I can go see the Montreal Canadiens. I can go down the street to watch the Laval team in the in the in the American League, or I can go watch Major Junior. Why would I go to the LNAH to see who? I'm not knocking the guys in the LNAH, but seriously, where are you putting yourselves? It's some it's going to be some feeder league that the fans are going to come. No, the fans came to see fucking fast paced old school pond hockey, you know, back and forth, and then some fucking rough stuff and some fights. What is I don't what is wrong with that? I don't understand this. Why? Like you th- all of a sudden these owners, we're going to go legit. Like no, so now you're fan you're drawn. You, I mean. Fuck, you couldn't draw flies with if you were cut, dipped yourselves in shit. There's no one at these games. There's no no money in the league. See, that's the other thing. You took the money aspect away. Like, figure it out. I don't know how, but go old school. Figure out. You figured out in the past how to get some money flowing through there. <laughs> well, figure it out again if you want to get anybody. Drop your stupid import rules. And let's go. Now all of a sudden I see all these teams scrambling. Oh, Parker side. Oh, they just signed Morasti. Uh, Ryan Murphy just signed today. Back. Uh, Simon uh, Desmo. Desmo. I mean, he's been around forever. He's back in the Verdun days. He's come back. I mean, throw throw these guys a few bucks and they show up. I said, I'm waiting for Dean Mayrad to show up. At least, I will say with him, at least he's in shape. Guy runs a boxing gym in Cold Lake. Looks like, fuck, he's ready to rock and roll right now. He's probably in better shape now than when he played. You know? And he's been boxing and shit. What's he going to do with these, like, 21, 22-year-olds? Fuck, he, like I said, fuck, he was winning enforcer pay-per-views. Well, they were, these, some of these kids were still sucking on their mom's tit. Bring him back. Throw some money at him. You know? Bring Swanee back. What the hell? He's nuts. He'll do it. You know, give him five hundred. Give him a grand a game. Let him come back for a weekend. That'll that'll maybe pop some nostalgia. I'm just saying. You know, I heard rumors. I've heard rumors. 
They're talking. Apparently, this I, don't shoot the messenger again. I'm just being. I'm. I'm not going to tell you who told me this. I'm just saying, and I don't want to turn this into a gossip show. But I heard Patrick Cote is out of jail, and they're talking to him. I don't know how true that is. I mean, dude's what? He's got to be close to fit, like on his late forties. So I don't know how. Although I mean, yeah. He's been in the clink for the last decade. I mean, he'd be in good shape. I would think he'd be working out in there. I mean, what else are you doing in jail? Um, you know, who knows? You know, McMorrow signed and in great shape, but I, I don't know what he's doing. He hasn't played yet, but he signed before the season even started, so I have no idea what he's doing. Gabby Roke back. LaCroix. I mean, there's still a few guys around, but, you know, so, I don't know, going forward here with the LNAH, well, it'll be interesting to see who, the. I mean, I think by the South, I don't, again, I'm not disrespecting these guys, but I mean, you're getting guys in the shady side of 40, and you're signing them to come back and fight in your leagues on the weekend, I mean, I, something smells a little desperate to me, but I mean, you, you know, you're cluing in now? I mean, hey, I'm pumped for the guys. Get a fucking payday. I'm not knocking them, but I mean, you know, it, it sort of shows you the state you're in. Maybe lift your fucking import thing. Idiots. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you want the guys to come back and be the dancing monkeys, got to throw some money around. So, I mean, get your rich buddies together and get some money going in that league again. You'll get some guys. Drop the import rule. I mean, you know, hey, the, the, the Southern Pro League and, and the, some of the guys in the, in the East Coast League. I mean, the East Coast League's been fighting. Why doesn't some of these fucking rich Quebec guys get together, give these guys some money? I mean, they ain't making any money down there in the East Coast League. You know what, 500 tops a week? All right, well, give them a thousand cash. No travel and you only play twice a week. I don't know. That's how you got them before. I mean, there's still guys. I mean, Kyle Neuhauer is down there. Throw some money at him. I mean, I'm not knocking the guy, but he's not making the NHL at this point. So, hey, money talks, man. Always has. Always will. If you want to get these guys, a few cats down in the Southern Pro League, get them. Like I said, that's how it was done before. So... I don't know. It'll be interesting going forward with the LNH signings. See who's next. Um, well, and it was interesting. Like like uh, Alec talked to uh, Nick there about the, the 10 fight rule. I know it's been brought up. I, I was just saying the other day, like somebody... So in the East Coast League and the American Hockey League, you're allowed 10 fights, then you start getting suspended. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Who thought these were? Who thought this was a good idea, and why? Like, if you're the like, there's a there's like a rules committee and owners and stuff. Why would the owners pass this rule? Why would you do that? I don't understand. And who like who likes this rule? I mean, it's one thing in junior. I mean, the OHL and the Quebec, they have the three fights and blah. It's junior hockey, so the people, oh, the kids, you know, and you can always, eh, whatever. <clears throat> you know, I always say, when you're 18, you can vote and list, drink and drive in Canada, but, oh, God forbid you get in a hockey fight, though. Oh, yeah. 
But, you know, we give a shit after. We, but we don't give a shit before then, right? But, but anyway, you get to the pro level and you're putting fight limits on. Again, I don't understand why. And I, like, none of the players want that rule. As far as I know with the fans, I mean, you have some fans that don't know the rule. They're just in, they're just there to be at the game and go team. Uh, the diehard fans, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's obviously some that don't like fight, whatever. But for the most part, if you ask them, they'd probably be like, you know, they'd be in, they'd be either, no, it's a stupid rule or indifferent. So I don't, I'm, I'm sitting, you can't say, again, I'm on audio, you can't see me, but it's just, I, I'm just, why? I, I don't know, who thought this was a good idea? Again, it's just window dressing. Look how progressive we are. We're limiting fighting in our league. You know, so it's like, okay, so instead of one guy fighting 14 times, we'll have three guys that fight eight times each. <laughs> what did you slow down? Do the math. I, I, you know, oh, I'd like to see a team with three guys with eight fights each. Oh, Florida might do it. Um... Until the cuts come at Christmas, maybe. But, uh, I, 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 why? I just, again, I'm just, why? I don't understand. And like I said, as if I owned one of those teams in the East Coast Hockey League and I was at one of these meetings, whoever, I, I would be throwing things at whoever proposed this rule change. It's it just, it's, why? It's so pointless. I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, I'm like, like I said, I don't watch, I don't follow it, but, According to Alec and a lot of the guys, I mean, um, you know, there's been some early activity in the East Coast League and some fighting. I, well, shit, I mean, fuck, Alec is about ready to start a new channel, fucking East Coast Fan 69 or whatever. Fuck, he's, he's ready to go. Check out his new, he's already got a YouTube channel. He's throwing up the, throwing up, well, we better keep that on the low, low. The East Coast, the East Coast League will shut your shit down fast. You know, the NHL, American Hockey League will let you post fights till the cows come home. Fuck, East Coast League. Send you'll send you a cease and desist letter. Speaking from experience, again, so I don't know who's in the office. Some some hero in the office bucking for promotion. I guess I don't know, but yeah, try posting an East Coast League fight up. Even during the drop your gloves days, they wouldn't let you have an East Coast League fight up there. Like I don't think HockeyFights.com's got every league up there, but the East Coast. I don't know who the hero is in that league, but. In that office, but it's just like you're a fucking moron. But like, so if if you had a couple guys that were tough and you and you let the people put the like at, at the very least hockey fights put their fights up, and somebody said, "Oh, this guy looks pretty tough," or "Oh, he's really oh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go check him out next time he comes into town." Well, there's a guy that you there's a fan that you might not have gotten at the game. So I I don't. Uh, <laughs> Why do you do this to your product? And all for the sake of what? I, I don't understand. These fucking teams, I don't understand it. I don't know. It's it's a bunch of front office douchebags all sitting around. How can we look good for the media? So the local media people will say the East Coast League finally gets it. You know? The fucking clown saying it wasn't paying to come to your games anyway. He didn't buy season ticket packages. He didn't buy jerseys. He didn't buy the TV package. He gets in for free and eats catering up in the press box. 
but that's who you're catering to. Oh, Jimmy at the Times thinks it's a, it wrote a really splendid article that we put in Fight Rules. Oh, great for Jimmy. Meanwhile, the season ticket holders are, what the fuck? Why? And they're all, you know. I said, oh, it's all fucking roses and sunshine when everyone's at zero fights and they're all fighting right now. Come January when they're all sitting at about seven fights, you watch what those games look like. Nobody will be doing nothing because nobody will want to be suspended. You just, like I said before, you just can't get out, these leagues just can't get out of their own way. They just don't, I've never seen a sport so inept that I just cannot read the room as professional hockey. Or just hockey, junior hockey too. Just don't get it. And who is making these decisions for the betterment of who? What fan is calling for this? What player is saying we need to do this? None. Except for a few fucking clowns on, on Twitter that think it's, oh, it's great because it needs to be about speed. The, the game is different now. Oh, it's fucking different, all right. Yeah, you cater to them. They go to two games a year, but sit on Twitter all, all night, flapping their lips about what the league should do. But meanwhile, the actual core fan that's at every one of your games and buys all your merch has for years. Ah, fuck them. You know, don't ask them what they'd want because they're not vocal enough on Twitter. Unbelievable. You watch any hockey game. I defy anybody. Watch any hockey game, even to this day when a fight starts. Is anyone booing and and yelling how awful and heckling how awful that is? I haven't seen it. (laughs) But yet, let's get rid of it. Unbelievable. Oh, and and I will say, once again, for the, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, I'm hoping this is the last time I'm going to say this. But it, I don't know with this recent surge in the message boards or what. First of all, I think, I don't know if these fight, these people in these fight groups are getting dumber. I don't know if it's just trolling, but like, God forbid, they're, they're, God knows they're not adults. Like, it's just, it's painful to read shit. I don't know if they're just younger and they don't know or whatever. And I've had this fucking argument with a number of people, and it's like, are you not paying any attention? Like, you blame everything else for the Enforcer not coming. Oh, the enfor- when's the Enforcer coming back? Oh, they keep this up. Maybe it will. It's not. Fighting is dead. Get it through your thick heads. It's over. Why all the time does some pinhead have to fucking put up? Is the fighting coming back? No. It's not. Do you pay any attention to junior hockey? The Quebec Junior League and the Ontario Hockey League have a three-fight rule. Although, as Anthony points out, WHL doesn't. Oh, yeah, because they're fighting in the fucking Western League. The leader had last year had seven. So, again, let's calm down. It's not the fucking Wild West anymore. Yeah, they fight a little more. But, oh, big deal. Oh, they're waiting till they turn pro. No, they're not. 
all of a sudden you're going to get tough? What? What is? What? If you've never fought through minor hockey and junior hockey and you sign a pro contract, well, all of a sudden you think, I'm going to fight now. It's not a fucking light switch. And at the pro game, who, who, where are all these fights happening? Like, I, I know the East Coast, they, oh, it's, it's whatever, oh, they're fighting early. Okay. These guys are going to end up with maybe six or seven. So, uh, what goon is, what big goon is coming? Oh, he came out of junior and he fought five times. Well, finally, some toughness. Well, that that's, air quotes, toughness now? You can't just make someone a fighter. Now, you'll have guys that fight occasionally. That's never going to go away. But are we hanging our hat on that? That's, oh, they might fight every 10th game? Oh, sign me up for those tickets. It's done. Why? And and I first of all, and what what what's this big surge? All of a sudden, we're going to find these tough guys, and these leagues are going to be. Oh, you know what? We're going to take out our fight limit. You, in what universe do you think the OHL is going to get rid of the three fight rule and make it wide open again, like 1996? And the fucking moon is made of cheese. What color is the sky in your world? Do you literally? Do you literally think if you? Seriously, do you think the American Hockey League or the East Coast League is going to get rid of the 10 fight rule? Fuck, if anything, they'll make it 5. Imagine the outcry from the mouthy, from the fucking vocal minority on social media and the media outrage if any pro fight rule got put in to hockey these days. Have you seen hockey Twitter? They get mad when Sidney Crosby throws someone down now. That's mean. That oh, that could have been real bad. Oh, it could have been real bad. We're suspending on couldas and maybes now. Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna make them. We're gonna add more fights now. Oh yeah, because that'll happen. Fuck, some of you guys just live in fucking reality. Like what? Fuck it. Do you live on Candy Cane Lane and live in a gumdrop house too? Fucking wake up. God. And, and and once a week it comes up. I think the fighters are coming back. Oh, yeah, because they grow on trees. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the the big, the LNH is still the biggest fight league in the world. And they're signing fucking 40-year-olds. Wake up. Like, I can't believe I have to get mad about this shit, but fuck reading you guys is bullshit. It's just painful. Oh, lots of fights in the NHL this year? Oh, yeah, who? So you, uh, every team will have eight guys with one. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I think tough mess. Yeah. So we can, watch a, we can watch fucking two clowns that have four fights in their life play slap and tickle at center ice. Oh, one guy lands two good good ones to the helmet, and then the oh god, we gotta break this up, and then they can friggin' mutually jerk each other off in the penalty box. But what a great job, bro! And then all these pinheads and these fight groups. Oh, 
Let's upload the fight. Thoughts? Fuck. Thoughts? Fuck, we had, we had rougher road hockey games. But holy shit, they throw two glove punches now, and fuck, these guys are jumping up and down. Like, are you th- you're fucking that starved. It's embarrassing. Reading those fucking fight message boards is embarrassing. Just, cl- and there's oh, a big fight fan. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite. Yo, you fuck, you love him so much you can't even spell his name right. But, oh, yeah. Wendell Clark's last name doesn't have an E on it, dipshit. How many times do you see people spell it that way? But he's my favorite as Wendell's the best. Ugh. And I read all, and I talk to William about it and whatever. And I mean, there's lot. I mean, there's lots of good guys in the message board. I don't want to say that in the fight groups and stuff. But I mean, gee, oh my god, like. Well, I know Clint there at the hockey fights and brawls. I try to be the administrator there, but I mean, it's wide open. We let every douchebag in the country sign up. And the, and it's just, it's just a circus over there. You got every idiot Homer fan and um, we got to put up 17 Bob Probert fucking threads a day. And, oh, it's just, you know, whatever. And, uh, it's just embarrassing. And like I said, for supposed fight fans, you, you don't know your, Fucking ass from a hole in the ground. Or if you're some Homer fan, you don't know anything that happened outside of your team. There's no hockey outside the NHL. They have no clue what the minors or junior hockey. Just if it didn't happen in Philly, we don't know about it. It doesn't matter if it didn't happen in Philly. It doesn't matter. Ugh. Speaking of which... We will go back to a simpler time. Open it up here. The Philadelphia Flyers ranking the top 10 fighters in franchise history. From Jay Sabunka. This is a little older. It's in 2011. So probably no Jody Shelley or Ronaldo or Sestito. But, uh, you know. The Philadelphia Flyers the NHL's toughest franchise of all time. Yeah, them or Boston. Yeah. Broad Street Bullies from the 70s and 80s team consisted of tough players. The Flyers have always been tough. Uh, most recently. Okay, here we go. In one way or another, this team will always be tough. A number of great fighters have donned the orange and black. Number 10, Mel Bridgman. Absolutely. Bridgman joined the Flyers as a rookie in 75 after they won two consecutive cups. Uh, Bridgman averaged 50-plus points per season and fought more than 10 times each season. Um, yeah, Bridgman, uh, Mel was a great fighter, a great, solid player. Um, yeah, I'm a big Bridgman fan. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit there, I'm not going to sit here and profess like I'm some expert on Mel Bridgman, but I mean, I have some 70s DVDs, he's all over them, and, uh, tough dude, didn't back down, wore a terrible bucket, though. Number nine, Rick Tockett. Uh, not only could, not only could the captain score, he could fight, he's one of just four players in NHL history to record more than 60 points and 300 penalty minutes in the same, same season. Talk at one fights against Williams, Hunter, Neely during his career. Well, I don't, you know, he won fights against other guys too. But, yeah, um, uh, talk should be in the Hall of Fame is what he should be. But, yeah, one of the greatest power forwards of all time. One of my favorite players of all time. Um, love me some Rick Tockett. I mean, what more is there to say? Absolutely. Tremendous. Number eight, Todd Fedoric. All right. Yeah. The Fridge. 
They've gone downhill after a terrible 06-07 season. He was very good Flyers before that. He was a very good fighter with the Flyers before that. Yeah, I mean, I remember, of course, I, I watched Fedorik in the Western Hockey League in Regina and, and Kelowna, um, PA. Um, you know, and in the minors. Uh, yeah, he had a good little, uh, good, good little run in Philly. Um, I don't know if I'd have him in the top 10 all-time flyer list, but, uh, but no, t- hey, tough dude. I dig him. I dig the fridge. Why not? Number seven, Glenn Cochran. Cochran played parts of seven seasons of the Flyers in the early 80s, averaged nearly four penalty minutes a game. Um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, Glenn Cochran, Captain Caveman. I mean, come out of his gear and just swing. And, uh, you know, of course, he's back in the old Cooper all days with the Flyers. And I'm down with Glenn Cochran. He's cool as shit. Number six, Dan Cordick. Oh, there you go. Uh, played all of his 197 games with the Flyers. Uh, he does not have a wide array of impressive wins. Kordick was able to hang with some of the NHL's best fighters. Um, yeah, again, I like Dan Kordick, big guy. Um, again, uh, I don't know if I'd have him in the top 10 all-time flyers list, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hey, I dig Dan Kordick. Had some great fights. Yeah, he had some good fights with uh, Grimson, uh, Ray, Bandon Bush. Uh, really good one with Um Yeah, I'm down with Dan Kordick. Number five, Craig Berube. Well, at this point, he was the assistant coach of the Flyers when this article was written. Berube was a great fighter with two separate tenures. Um, yeah, he, had, he always he did well against Probert. Uh, always did well against Ty Domi. Yeah, he Berube was awesome with the Flyers. This is where I kind of where I first saw him, and um, yeah, he had the mullet going and everything. And uh, yeah, what does there to say? I mean, the Chief man, um, just those rapid fire machine gun shots. My, the, my my all-time favorite fight DVD, my friend Mike and I wore out the reels on it. The very first fight on there is a fight in the, in the old Spectrum against uh, Darren Kimball. And, uh, yeah, Berube is awesome. I love Craig Berube. He's one of my all-time favorite players, actually. Uh, number four, The Hammer. The Hammer, the, fa- the most famous flyer fighter of them all. But he's not the best. Schultz was the first of many flyer enforcers. When he arrived, it was the end of the flyers being pushed around. That's true. Um... Yeah, he came in, uh, you know, hey, won two cups. Um, you can say what you want about him, um, you know, with the Broad Street Bullies and the, the gang fighting and everything else and the brunch clearing brawls. And I mean, you watch it as soon as one of their guys, maybe they'd, ju- they'd all jump in or whatever. But, hey, they ushered in, um, you know, if you're a fight fan, I mean, even if you're not a Flyer fan, I mean, I think you pretty much have to thank the Flyers for basically the enforcer, really. Because, um, I mean, they, they sort of made it in vogue to carry that type of player up, leading up until, I mean, you had Ferguson and stuff, but, and there was always a few guys, obviously, that were, you know, there to kind of fight and be the policeman or whatever, but that real team tough kind of enforcer, don't touch us, bully tactics was really, I guess, maybe it was done before, but the Flyers perfected it, maybe, I should put it that way, and that ushered in, of course, you know, the Bruins got real tough, and uh, a lot of teams just toughened up, and and I think that, uh and then everything's a domino effect, right? And it goes down to the minors, it goes down to junior. You start grooming guys for that role, and uh, which I don't think it was happening before then. Um, and a lot of these guys, and like I said, Schultz scored 20 goals one year. I mean, you know, it wasn't like it was just three-shift guy. I mean, you know, regular contributor. Even in the 70s, all those guys, like Winsick, Jonathan, and all the 20-goal guys, O'Reilly. O'Reilly put up huge points. I mean, so they were still playing at that time. The the The... 
the kind of the three minute uh, nuclear missile that didn't come in until later. That's when the that was in the nineties, early two thousand. The role became real specific and just yeah, you had nuclear warheads at that point. Again, that could be argued whether that's good or bad, but that's what it was. And these guys, even in junior, didn't really play much. Like the Bugards and the Colt Norris and stuff, they didn't they didn't play a lot in junior. Like that's the thing with Baruby and Kimball and. And all those guys, those guys are 30 goal, Scott Parker, those guys are 30 goal scorers in the, in the Western Hockey League. Joey Coaster at 40 goals. Like, you know, th- those guys all played and were contributed. Mick Fakota had 20 some goals. Like it was, they weren't just three shift guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, they obviously honed in and got their roles once they got to uh, the NHL level, but they could still play. Um, and then it became obviously much more pigeonholed. But at that time, Schultz could play. Real good player. But he was definitely, I think he's sort of the, if you're doing a Mount Rushmore, I've always put him on mine because it was sort of, I mean, you had Ferguson and the Hammer, I think, were kind of the two pioneers of it. And uh, and I think, and from what I've seen of the Schultz fights and stuff, I mean, he's better than people think he is. Like, I mean, well, I mean it's there, it's a tale of two things, right? Everybody from Philly, the Hammer's the greatest thing since fucking sliced bread, right? Everybody outside of Philly fucking hates him, and and they kind of they try to shit on him. Um, but he was he was pretty good. I'm not saying he was the toughest guy in the league because he wasn't. But Schultz was better than I think people give him credit for. Number three, Donald Brashear. As the careers of Probert, Twist, and Grimson began to reach their ends, both Brashear and Larocque broke out on the NHL scenes. A scene with Ames take over as the league's top fighter. Brashear established himself with the fights against Domi, Ray, McSorley, Bonby, Probert, and Larocque, while with the Flyers. Or with the Canucks, the Flyers acquired Brashear in 0102. In 64 fights, the Flyers Brashear lost just five times. That's very specific. 64 fights, Brashear just lost five times. Okay, I okay. I, I've never bothered to look up someone, but if that's his, then your mind he's 64 and five. Well, that's that's or no, I guess he lost just five, so he'd be you know he's uh, 59 and and five. Well, that's that's pretty good. Uh, record. Uh, I don't know where they came up with that number, but but no, Brashear. I mean, like I said, I'm not a big Brashear fan. Never have been. But uh, like I've always said, you got to give the devil his due. I mean, the guy was good, real good, and uh, was good in Philly. Uh, really came into his own in Vancouver and in Philly and, and and Washington stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, say what you want about him, but uh, I mean, on my show, I've had guys talk about him, and I mean, they might not like some of his tactics, and he sort of fought at his own, you know. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? On his own, uh, at his own time, and he picked, you know, picked his spots that way. That, eh. that's, that's smart fighting, really. When you think about it, I mean, you know, I mean, who, he, it's his health and who he, it's his body on the line. I mean, I, he's not doing it to impress a bunch of fucking idiots on a fight message board. Uh, no, he did it for a long time and was really successful. I said he's in my top ten of all time. So, um, and I'm nowhere near a Brashear fan, but. Yeah, guy was legit. Number two, Ben Wilson. What Schultz and the Flyers started in the 70s was a revolution that changed the way hockey viewed toughness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Before fights were a rarity that occurred usually when players had a very good reason to. Broad Street bullies made rough play, fighting, and intimidation a part of their game plan. Yep. The rest of the NHL responded by finding players who could fight back. Yeah, exactly. As a result, the fights per game total in the NHL rose nearly every season from Schultz's arrival in 72 until the league's all-time high in 87-88. By that time, they averaged 1.3 fights a game. Could you imagine 1.3 fights a game? 
these teams don't average 1.3 fights a, in a fucking month. Uh, Schultz's departure from 76, the Flyers would use Paul Holmgren and Mel Bridgman for two years until finding the NHL's next champ in Ben Wilson. Clark Gillies of the, of the Islanders hammered Schultz in the 75, staking his claim as the league's best fighter. Wilson began the 80, 81 season by destroying Gillies and bringing the imaginary belt back to Philly. Uh, hey, I mean, Clark Gillies has gone on record. There's an interview on YouTube, if you look it up. Gillies was uh, scared of, not scared of, intimidated by Ben Wilson. And, uh, yeah. Wilson was legit, man. I mean, he big dude, like real six, like especially for the time period, um, six three, and could go. Um, anybody, I'm sure everybody listening. I mean, if you're obviously you're a fight fan, if you're listening to this podcast, but um, if, if you're younger and you haven't, I encourage you to go seriously. Go to YouTube, B E H N Ben Wilson. Uh, ty- type it in and have a look. <laughs> His KO of Hillworth is brutal. But yeah, check out really great fight. His fight with Wendell when he was with Chicago. Ben was at the end of his line. He had a bad. He had a lot of injuries that had caught up, caught up to him. I think it was a real. Was it a knee or a back? I think it was his back. He had a really bad back. He had a premature. He had to retire early. But uh, yeah, you go back and watch his fights though. Seriously, guy was a killer. Um, a lot of real knowledgeable fight fans have him in the top five. Their top five of all time. Now, again, those, everyone's list is subjective and everyone has different criteria. But at the end of the day, you're going to get a, a, a group. If you have a group of old school fight fans in the room, none of them are going to be Ben Wilson. Ah, not Mar- no, not Ra- no, nobody will say that. No, he was legit. Definitely. Number one. Dave Brown. Yep. Wilson spent his final four seasons with the Blackhawks in the first the first season without Wilson, the Flyers found the replacement in the six five left handed monster named Dave Brown. Brown fought for the Flyers 116 times before he traded to the Oilers. He just he lost just three of those fights. I don't know where this guy's getting his record. This must have been well it's all he must have went to drop your drop your gloves is still around at this time, so I'm sure that's what he's going by. Well those were fan voted fights, so Brown continued to be one of the NHL's best fighters in his two years two season stint with the Oilers. Uh, he returned to Philly at the end of his career. Now works for the Flyers, uh, director of player personnel. Um, yeah, I mean Dave Brown, one of the best fighters and forcers of all time. Left-handed, mean as shit, like rattlesnake mean. Uh, there was no good job, bro. Wait, can't wait to work out with you. It's uh, we're going. Sometimes he might not even have told you we were going. He'd just grab you, start firing lefts, and it was up to you whether you what you wanted to do. You could uh, eat a few and try to come back, or just uh, bail. And uh, yeah, you weren't going to get a square off out of Dave Brown. He was he was out there for a mission. And, you know, people can yell about the code and respect and all that shit. At the end of the day, it was sending a message, and it was a fist fight. So you could stick your code and your honor up your ass. It was whatever. He didn't give a shit about your code, and he didn't give a shit about your honor. Or to be called some... Talk about the code on some freaking message board by a bunch of fight fans. No. Brown was mean as shit. I could see him being number one guy. Um... I got him in my top three of all time. I mean, yeah, there you go. And I mean, yeah, the Flyers. What a what a rich history of uh, of toughness. There's no without a doubt. Um, you know, you could, you could have probably had numerous guys in that list. And uh, yeah, whether you're a Flyer fan or not, there's no denying. Um, uh, you know, that team's history of fights for sure so 
there you go. So I figured with the alumni game happening this weekend and and everything uh, that it would be fitting that we'd have a flyer top ten. Like I said, you could. You, I mean, you could ask anybody the top ten with the flyers. You'd have a whole bunch of different. I mean, a few of the names at the top would be the same, but yeah, you could definitely uh, interchange a lot of names with that with that franchise for sure. Uh, well, guys, before I get out of here. Um, I know a lot of people with the myth versus reality portion, I've been missing that out on the last few episodes. Um, just a real brief one that I kind of want to talk about because I think he gets, I don't know, with, with the thing with Link Gates, again, fight fans will know how tough he is. But I, th- I think um, I think when, when people, like, I mean, they go to YouTube, they type in Link Gates and they watch the Quebec League stuff and they just see this overweight guy and whatever and, you know, or you hear the stories and you see the picture of him, you know, going up and get a burger during the game and all that, you know, clown shit. And, uh, you know, and he gets dismissed as, as sort of a, you know, a joke or whatever. And, you know, and hey, Link made his own bed. I mean, without a doubt, with all the crazy off-ice issues and the stories of Link Gates are legendary. And, I mean, just t- do a Google search of his name. You'll see a million stories will come up. The majority of them, which are true, um, but I think it's it's lost, especially on maybe people that don't do the research of it, um, and it's unfortunate that his NHL career was so short. I mean, he didn't. He only he only played like uh, like sixty games over three years. A couple, you know, two broken up seasons with the Minnesota North Stars and then the one year in San Jose when they were the expansion team. And that was it. He was done in the NHL. Well, and then over the summer he had a car accident. He wasn't even driving. And, uh, but yeah, and he had a, and he had a really, um, bad, uh, brain injury. And, uh, he, he had to learn to walk. And I was reading an article, and the and the the doctors could not believe, let alone skate, let alone fight again. So you just think from then, from that point on, all the fights you've seen outside of the NHL, he was doing that with massive head injury and having learned and having gone through extensive rehabilitation. And you, and it's not like he's out there and he's a punching bag getting beat up. Like he's still winning the majority of his fights. So it's like imagine how good he'd be. In prime fighting shape and, and in hell and with no head injuries. Just imagine for a second. Like, so you go back, he was a second, of course, everybody remembers the draft photo when, of course, he shows up at the draft with broken or, uh, black eyes because he got into a bar fight with his, uh, his, him and his brother got, I believe it's his brother, got into a bar fight the night before the draft. So he's got the most famous, you know, NHL entry draft photo of all time. Uh, which is tip, what else would you expect from Link Gates? But again, what gets lost on that is he was a 40th overall pick, um, by Minnesota. Um, and, and right away, at 19, he's in the NH, he, he briefly plays in the NHL with the North Stars, has a great fight with Joey Koser. He had two fights with Coaster at the North Star. I'll get to the second one here, but the first one he did, he did really well. Again, he's 19 years old. First NHL fight versus Joe Coaster of the Red Wings, who, like, people would actively go out of their way not to fight. He hangs right in there, does real well with him. He comes up the next season with Minnesota as a 20 year old. Coaster hangs one on him, which, I mean, you go back and watch the fight. I smoked him, and Coaster gave him the. Oh, these fucking Red Wing fans. 
Coaster, without a doubt, landed some big shots and he cut gates and whatever. But we, first of all, just, but just think of this. He's 20 years old. Look at those shots that Coaster hits him with and Gates doesn't budge. He stands there and he's still trying to throw back. He's not wrestling. He's not covering up. He's not seat belting. He's trying to fight back as Coaster unloads shots on him. And Link doesn't move. So that gives you an indication of Link's chin right there. That's a 20 year old. Then he plays in the minors for a little bit and then he ends up in San Jose with the expansion Sharks. And, and again, uh, he, he plays 48 games. He has 12 points. He's a D man. He's got 12 points in 48 games on that god awful San Jose team. He has 300 and some penalty minutes. He's 22 years old. And he takes on a prime Probert at the Cow Palace. And go to, if you have not watched that fight, type in Link Gates versus Bob Probert. Watch that fight. And it, they are toe to toe. And I don't think anybody, the biggest diehard Probert fan could, oh, Bobby won that one. No, he didn't. You know, I'm not saying Link won either, but they were both given as good as they were getting. And that's a 22 year old Link Gates, who was a rookie at that point. I mean, he only played like five, six games with North Stars each of those seasons. So he's a rookie on an expansion San Jose team. And he takes on the baddest dude in the league and is just, and is, is with him toe to toe. At 22, He's taking on a prime Probert. And had a hell of a run that year with San Jose. Got the 10-game suspension for leaving the penalty box at the end there trying to fight Loney. But I mean... And then and then he gets into the car accident. And then it's gone. And uh, yeah, he ended up in Cape Breton the, the next year. Had Again, coming back from injury. Uh, had some great fights with Jerry Fleming. Um, dropped by Alois. Again, this is a guy with a brain injury that had to learn to walk again. And then, of course, and then he just, he ran out of chances. And then, and then began his minor league odyssey from the East Coast to getting banned from every league and ended up in the Quebec League. And even in the Quebec League, guy's probably about 300 pounds, doesn't care. He's just there to fight and get his, gets, he gets paid per per fight. But he's dropping Terrio. Serge Roberge has an unbelievable fight with Patrick Cote. He was a primed up, <laughs> real primed up Patrick Cote, fresh out of the NHL. And there's Link at three bills. And okay, you know, here we go. And they just pound each other. And you see this out of shape Link Gates that doesn't care, whatever. And he's taking on monsters, even in the Quebec League. Sugden, same thing. These are young guys, primed. I'm not saying whoever, but gassed up and ready to rock and roll. And they can't take Link down. My friend, I've, I've said this on a couple podcasts, but I'll say it again. He was talking to Patrick Cote, in just in private conversation. And Cote said, in all the fights he's been in, he goes, I've never hit anybody as hard as I hit Link Gates. And he goes, all he did was grunt and keep coming. And this is coming from Patrick Cote. And you guys, regular listeners on my show, you've listened to the interviews I've had with guys when they talk about Cote. Scariest fucker ever. And even he was leery of Link Gates. And again, this is car, this is car accident Link Gates. Imagine what he would have been in like in his prime. 
I don't know if this is a myth versus reality. It's more of a history lesson. But, yeah, the fat out of shape guy that you see on the YouTube. Um, and look how good he's doing. Like I said, go back and watch those old Link Gates fights from the Quebec League. He ain't getting beaten up. And that's a guy who doesn't give a shit. He was probably drunk, or at least hung over. And he's doing that damage to those guys. Yeah, so it's really unfortunate as fight fans um, that we never got to see... Because uh, uh, it, it would have been interesting. I mean, you know, everybody talks about off-ice issues with Link when he was in the NHL and, and all that. Well, there's plenty of guys that had off-ice issues. We don't have to throw out names, but just, you know, wrap your head around who I'm talking about. There's lots of guys. So he's not alone in that. But maybe he could, I'm not saying he could have got rehabbed or whatever, but maybe in the NHL, if he hadn't gotten the car accident, maybe somebody could have controlled him. You want to make some big money in the NHL, you know, temper it a little bit. At least somewhat keep his head in the game. Imagine the damage that Link Gates could have done over the next 10 years. In those 90s. Imagine Link Gates in the 90s. Because what was that pro-word fight? 91, 92. So he's 22. So give him the next 10 years. So right through the 90s. You know, at 32 years old. Going in through the primes there. Man. We missed out, folks. We really did. Can you imagine Gates versus Barubi And Laws. And, and Langdon. And Ojik. And all those. Well, he did fight Ojik. But you know what I'm saying. Grimson and all those guys. I would have loved to have seen those matchups, how he would have done. And I, I think, me personally, I mean, I, I think he would have done great. I think he would have been, we would have been talking about Link. I don't want to say, oh, he's been top five all the time. I don't, you know, there isn't enough sample size for that. But I'm just, I just, you, I, you see his body of work for what it was and realize where he was at when this was happening. It isn't hard to picture him, I would say, fairly dominant in the Amer- in the uh, in the NHL. In the 90s, I could see it. Him being just dominant. Well, like I said, he's 22 going toe-to-toe with a prime Probert. Not backing up. You know, and it's like that's all I needed to see. And he's he's not going to get worse at 22. He's only going to get better. And, you know, no, I think we we as... I mean, obviously for Link too, it's a shame he couldn't get his shit together. Too bad about the accident and all that. I mean, even after that, he wasn't going to get back to the NHL. I, I don't think his motor skills were good enough. Like, his skating wasn't good enough to get back to the NHL level. But, um, yeah, it's it's too bad. I mean, in the 90s, if he was with an NHL team and a training staff that kind of got him into, you know, whatever, at least into some shape and, and you know, took it serious. And, uh, yeah, I, I, think with, I think with his ability to just take it. Link was always a slow starter. He was always going to eat a few. He always was like that. Um, if the refs could get, would get in quick, it didn't, Link didn't look like he was, like, winning a lot of, I wouldn't say he's winning, but wasn't as dominant as he should have been, because he was a slow starter, he'd take a few. But if the, if you, if the linesman stayed out of it and let him get going, yeah, Link, you weren't gonna, you could have hit him with a bat and you weren't gonna take him. Well, look, like I said, look what Coaster did to him. Hardest puncher in hockey. Go watch the fight when he's with the North Stars. He's 20 years old taking those shots. And he's not moving. You can yell about Coaster killing him all you want. He's still not budging. He didn't go down. So it's like, yeah. Oh. Imagine what he would have done at 25, 26, 27. Man, oh man. We missed out. We really did. 
Well, no, that was really a myth versus reality. Yeah, I guess so. Because like I said, yeah, it is. Because people see the, the, the Quebec League. I think these people see the Quebec League and they don't, you're not seeing the real link. Which was unfortunate. We missed out. But anyway, guys, Link Gates, the missing link. I, again, another, go to the YouTube channel. I encourage you. Check out my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Got over 2,600 fights on there. Subscribe to the channel. Check it out. Uh, got a bunch of link fights on there. Give him a listen. Give him a look-see. Got his fight. Re- actually, really rare video against uh, James Lato- Latos. Latos? This is actually his very first Western Hockey League fight. 17 years old. Check it out. Uh, got his fights a twist on there. Um, yeah. Link was the man. He really was. Anyway, guys, we're at the hour mark. I got to get packing. Uh, got to go do some dishes. We gotta, gotta go, I got to clean up. So, I can't sit here and talk to you guys all day. I'd like to, but I can't. So, again, guys, like I said, I'm in the middle of packing up our condo and we're moving to our house here. We take possession here in two weeks. And, uh, she less than that, ten days. And, uh, I don't know what's happening because we still got to get the internet switched over and all that stuff, so... I don't know how much more, how many more episodes I'm going to bring you until I'm not here. But if I'm not here, I come every Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, Wednesday, when everything's back to normal, Wednesday's my interview day and then Sunday's sort of my rant show. But I've been all over the place with these in the last little while because I don't know what's going on and if I'm going to have the internet or if we're going to unhook everything and blah, blah, blah. So it was available today. So I, I took the chance to, uh, I took the opportunity to record. So, um, again, for my, uh, my steady listeners, thank you guys for hanging in there. Sorry for being the disjointed. And I'm when I'm talking, I'm kind of all over the place and whatever. My mind, like I said, I've said this a million times. My mind's all over the place and with the shit we got to do before we move. So, um, you know, talking with lawyers and banks and everything else. So, um, forgive me. But uh, come December and come definitely into the new year, 2022, we'll definitely be packed. We'll be squared up, and then office new office will be. Rocking and rolling, and uh, I will get back into the swing of things. And I have some really cool stuff planned, so uh, definitely hang with me. Let's get through the rough spot here, but I do want to bring you guys content, and I want to do it, provide it for the Hockey Podcast Network because I did sign a contract with them saying that I would do it, and I want to honor that as best I can. And I had the opportunity to do so; I will. So, with that, I might talk to you guys on Sunday. We'll see. But in the meantime, let's have a good rest of the work week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 